Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, the Act 2, the Act 2, Act 2 is a network, a support group <laughs> for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of the many things that we do. So thank you for joining us here. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Mm -hmm. That means you get updates Every time there's a new episode, you can be like, cool, that's a cool topic. I want to click on it and watch it. Nope. Listen to it right now. Or you'd be like, that topic's stupid. I don't want to. But you get a choice. You get a choice. And choice empowers you. <laughs> yeah. Feel empowered just by subscribing to this podcast. <laughs> you can also DM us if you have questions or you have topic suggestions or you just want to say, hey, at act2writers at gmail.com. All spelled out or on our Instagram and Twitter at act2writers. I'm also there, Instagram at Story Thursday and Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I am Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram, and Tasha. Yeah. We're back. We've had guests on for a little bit. Now it's, it's back to us having to talk to each other. Yeah. 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 I we, missed you. I know. I've missed. We've, we've, had, we've got built up conversation and... I mean, I know we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. But I want to just do something real quick. Oh, God. It's called like house cleaning. It's a new okay. segment that I just created like this one second. Oh, awesome. We need a jingle for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, two things. Yeah. Number one, I went to this theater in the Palisades called the Bay Theater, and it is a Netflix theater. And The Sea Beast, which is nominated for Academy Award, was released through Netflix. And one of the direct or the director of The Sea Beast was one of the directors of Moana. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to see Moana at the Bay Theater because they were doing this big thing for him, for this okay. director. So I go into the theater. I sit down. There's already popcorn at my seat, by the way. Like they, the Bay Theater like went out for it. I'm sitting down and the director, Chris Williams comes out. Also a director on, on How to Train Your Dragon, one of the best movies of all time. Okay. And Big Hero 6. Yeah. And he introduced the movie. And then, by the way, some kid yells, are you in the movie? And he's like, no, but I was the voice of this person in Frozen. He's that guy when they go into the cabin and he's like, hello. Like no that guy. Way. Yeah. And the point being is, of this story, LA's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There is no writing. There's nothing. He did talk about his inspiration in one of the scenes of Moana, but there was it was it was it was just so cool to see, and it was inspiring to cool. see, and I loved it, and I had to tell you and tell everyone who listens to the podcast. That feels like a this week in writing. That doesn't feel like a house cleaning. Oh, okay. Well, then, th if I were to give notes on this segment that okay. you just created, <laughs> all right. Well, then I'm going to need notes on this one last house cleaning part portion. Okay, I am completely and fully on board and in for the movie Dungeons and Dragons. Are you? And I wanted to get your feeling on it. Look, I've heard it's actually really good. I can tell. I sense it. I sense it. And then my feelings of watching the trailer are apparently unfounded. But my feelings <laughs> in watching the trailer were that it was not made by people who love Dungeons and Dragons, that like every magic thing that's in there is thrown in because they could do it and not because it's organic to story or character or anything. But that being said, that's apparently incorrect. Apparently, mm. 
early reviews are that it's pretty damn good. I can't wait. I, I Something about it, it just clicked. And I was like, oh, I almost messaged you. And I was like, I'm going to wait for the podcast. Are you going to become a fan of D&D and then join my D&D group after watching this? Not a chance. <laughs> However, <laughs> I will watch the movie and sit there for 90 minutes to two hours watching Chris Pine slash a, a dragon in a dungeon. Okay. House cleaning. Well, complete. I am excited for that movie review episode. We should do a breakdown. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we'll get into the heart of the episode, which is really what Josh is doing anyways, which is this week in writing. This week in writing. All right. A lot has gone on. As Josh said, we had two guests on and whenever we have multiple guests on at a time like just stuff builds up we get emails stuff in our own writing life has happened that we really need to just talk through because we use this podcast as therapy for all of our writing problems so we're gonna we're gonna start there um i think i'm actually gonna start with a listener question if that's okay oh please um we got a listener question about animation which was which is super cool. We Mm -hmm. rarely get those. Please give us more of those. But this listener said she listened to our podcast about Dan Kunkka, where he talks about how specs are so important and creating buzz around your spec is so important. And he walks through how he does that because he's a master of the spec sale, Dan Kunkka. So go back and listen to that episode. It's, It's really good. But this particular writer said she's curious if that similar kind of buzz around a spec can happen in animation. Mm -hmm. And I will say I've only been in animation since 2020. And in my limited experience, that doesn't happen in animation the same way. And it inspired me to reach out to a writer friend of mine who got her start in animation. So she would be the person who was doing these kinds of pitches and spec sales and all of that stuff. So we're going to have her on the podcast here shortly, not shortly as in in this episode, but soon to talk about what that career path looks like and specifically address this question. But from my three years of experience, I'm going to try and answer this question, which I think that one of the big reasons is a lot of animation, if you'll notice, is based on IP. So it's not really a lot of original specs that are getting sold and produced out there. It's stuff that's based on comic books or anime or video games or insert thing here that people already have shown that they love. Yeah. And I'm not sure why, because they're much cheaper to make animation than, say, a live action thing. But... It is a hugely long process. So it's much longer than live action typically. Mm -hmm. So like that kind of investment of time and money um, maybe requires that it's, at least in the minds of executives, that it's something based on IP typically. Or that's just how it's been. Um, And then also the way that animations are sold because it's such a, again, visual medium right off the bat is it does require a lot of like pitch decks and being as showy as possible when you are pitching something. Um, so again, it's usually pitches that 
people start with because I can then show you visuals of character design of what I'm thinking of or world design of what I'm thinking of if it's an original idea. Um, rather than just, here's a spec, you kind of need to attach it with visuals. So it, that's why it usually becomes a kind of pitch situation rather than a, a spec sale. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my limited knowledge. I'm going to stop there because we're going to have <laughs> we're going to have Kira on uh to to talk about this a lot more in a lot more detail. But that's sort of my first impressions on why the buzz for a spec doesn't actually happen in animation. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, I I'm, I'm so this is not my territory. I love animation, but that all seemed to make sense and it's right. We can change it. Let's change it. So we can get more originals made. Mitchells versus the machines. Let's go. Yeah, I'd be curious to the evolution of Mitchells versus the machines. It's funny that you say that because I actually looked it up. Oh. So Mitchells versus the machines was created by Michael Rianta, kind of based on his own personal story. But it came about because he was doing animation before that, so he did like Gravity Falls, for example, which was a, a big hit. And so Sony asked him, hey, do you have anything else you want to work on? Do you have any ideas kicking around mm. for animation? And he's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And he's like, I did not. He's like, I did not have any ideas. And so he went home and desperately tried to come up with some kind of log line of something that he could really... Uh, pitch to Sony that made any sense. And so in brainstorming, he said he drove to his hometown in Salinas, California, and recorded just this list of potential ideas for a movie. And he settled on, because he went to his hometown, developing a story about his own personal experiences with his family uh, at his hometown and about his childhood. And so he ended up writing this, uh, he called it a manifesto Mm. (laughs) of a film titled Control-Alt-Escape, which he said was the original title of Mitchell's versus the Machines before it became what it is. And and he basically just wanted to write a story about himself. And Sony was like, that sounds great. Go do that. Wow. They attach producers and and the rest is, is kind of history. So that was a case of someone having a successful career already, being loved by a studio, and the studio says, hey, what do you have next? (sighs) Yeah, that makes sense. Tricky, man. Tricky industry. I know. Every story is different. So, Um, okay. So that's our first This Week in Writing. What's yours? Okay. So I had messaged you something that had happened to me that I was all fired up about. And so the backstory is, a uh, spec that I wrote years ago has come back into my life and I've been working on it for the past few months. I have been fine tuning this spec and it turned out to almost be a page one rewrite. It was like a page one and a half rewrite. Like it was <laughs> it was a lot of rewriting, but for the better. Like it's now something that I'm very, very proud of. One day I'll tell the story of how this kind of came back into my life and I've already talked to the producer about coming on to like- Amazing, to, that would be so good. To talk about how this, this got- restarted and everything. So last week I finished the script and I'm like, thank God I'm done. I send it in to my reps. My agent writes back. He said, hey, we need to come up with a new title for multiple reasons, but we we need something new because we're going to try to take this out again. One big reason is let's just 
you've done so much work, it's going to be fresh. We don't want to have it go back out into the world with the, the same title. Essentially. Because other people have read it and we don't want it to feel like old hat. Uh, yeah, other people have read it. A lot of things kind of changed in it where like the title could still fit, but it made sense to change. Mm. And honestly, it was kind of like a cleansing thing. I even wanted to change the title. Like I was mm -hmm. just like, it, it literally, it's like a new script. I, I can't even explain it. So I'm done. I send it in and I start coming up with some titles and I I, I, I say all these different titles. And then there was this one title, which unfortunately I can't talk about quite yet, but I, I suggest this one title kind of like as a last option. And everyone ended up liking the title, but because it was this one specific title, I had to go back in and change different scenes to kind of cons uh, contextualize this concept, if that makes any sense. Yeah. My point being is I was at the finish line, Tasha, and then I opened my mouth, I came up with this new title, and then I ended up having to change more scenes, which pushed things. I ended up finishing it actually last night and we sent it in, it's, it's, it's done. But um, it's just kind of my experience with this one spec. It's almost there and it has a new title now. I have questions. Uh, please. So when you originally texted me that, I was enraged. <laughs> I was like, how dare they make you go in and change the script because of a stupid title? I hate it so much. Yeah. I hate all of them for you. Which I feel like you were, <laughs> I was you there. and I were like feeding those, those fires. Dude. Can I tell you, not to interrupt you, but what the producer said to me? What? He said, listen, these other titles are fine. Everyone likes this new title. He, he was like, why don't we go in and make the changes? You can make the changes. And if they don't work, then we just go back to a different option. But if it does work, then you're going to be really happy. And you're going to be upset down the road if you never tried to at least do it. And I was like... Nick, you're right. I have to do it. That's how they get you. Yeah, it's he, like he fucked me up. You gotta at least try. You gotta give it the old college try, or yeah. you'll regret it. Because if you don't, you're always gonna wonder what would have happened. And I just want to say I've been really fortunate because uh, the producer I've been working with, he's been great. And again, we'll have him on here. Um, but a lot of times with specs, this can happen where you're like. You're right. You think you're done and then you send it and then someone's assistant has just a few more notes and then you're like, okay, well now I'm done again. And then you send it back and then someone else's assistant have, has a few more notes and then, oh, someone caught something new and mm -hmm. it just happens. I, I don't, I don't know the solution to it, but I've, I, that's happened to me multiple times. It's infuriating, but it's part of the process, I guess, unless you can get to a point where you're like, I'm done. Like pencils down, I'm out. Yeah, and I feel like that rarely, rarely happens. But yeah, I, w I was enraged when you first told me that because it, it just felt like another random pass that doesn't make a fucking difference. Mm -hmm. No one you send it to is going to be like, oh, this title, why isn't it connected more in the thing? But maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe subconsciously they'll be like, why does this title make sense? But nobody passes on a script because of the title. Like, I just don't. So, but I've since cooled down. Me too. And I mean, even the way you described it, you're just adding more connective tissue to the concept, to the theme that you're presenting on the title page. And fine. I begrudgingly accept this. I did too. And I said, fine. 
And then even Nick was like, you did this to yourself. You're the one who suggested the title. It's your fault. Oh, man, this producer. <laughs> I was like, all right. Nick has learned some tricks. He does. He, he, he's good. He's good like that. He's like, uh, he can mess with your head a little bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that, that happened. And okay. um, I hope to talk about this more in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm excited for the, the full story. I think several people, we've had emails where people are like, I can't wait to hear about how the script, like how the script came into being. So, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> it's almost there, guys. I swear to God, this is it. It's so done. is it going out to market like next week, this week? I know it went into a few directors last night. Okay. Oh, congratulations. But then I think it's going out next week. Amazing. I guess. Josh. I don't know. Might just be kicking around for another five fucking years. <laughs> Might go to someone's trash can. I don't know. Drink no, for some sure. more tequila this morning. Don't eat. <laughs> All right. All right. So the next This Week in Writing I want to talk about is a little bit ago, there was a post somewhere, an article, I don't remember, about Tom Cruise walking into the building of CAA. <laughs> Where he is 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 a client, and getting a five minute standing ovation from everyone at CAA, <laughs> Creative Artist Agency, <laughs> and the article explains how there was an email that was sent out by one of the agents saying, "Hey, Tom Cruise is coming in the building. Go out and greet him." And so, assistant, an agent. And front desk person, mailroom person, everyone had to come out to their balconies. And it's like this huge building with balconies and like a center yep. thing. And, and and just applaud this man for five minutes. Do you know how long five minutes is? I do. <laughs> and I just want to talk about it. Yeah. I've got a couple. Listen, listen. Everyone knows I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> If I were at CAA, I would have run out of my office, leaned over the edge, and started to clap as hard as I could <laughs> for like a minute. <laughs> but I will say, as a man who loves Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. let me just be very clear about that. There is a very strong appreciation for Tom Cruise that exists in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if you ever watch like an interview with a co-star it mm. inevitably kind of turns back into like how great tom cruise is it's true and i and i understand it because he is great <laughs> <laughs> however you know five minutes is a long time it's a long time and to be kind of forced by your bosses to go do this and I talked to someone from CAA who worked at CAA a long time ago. And she's like, yeah, I had to do this before. And it was uncomfortable because you're being made to go do this. And it's like, it's kind of embarrassing. It's not authentic for a lot of people. And it's honestly, it's just strange. I find it to be very strange. Also like the accepting of it to be strange. And at that point, like you kind of I'm, sh I'm sure you could be like, hey, guys, like, please stop. No, really, just stop. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's also awkward. So what do you just like take it? You just take the clapping. I'm just going to just lay this out there. I want that to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tom 
Tom Cruise is living your dream. <laughs> That's why I think maybe maybe I'm like, oh, you know what? That should be me. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's and I'm, this is separate from from Tom Cruise. It's just people in general, humans in general, in our industry, and I guess in life. You've heard tons of stories of showrunners, let's say, or big writers or big directors who, when they first start out, are humble, are normal. Like, mm. oh my God, I hope the studio buys my pitch. Oh my gosh. And cut to everyone telling them they're a genius. They're giving them a five-minute standing ovation. And that person suddenly thinks that they're incredible and their ego starts to take over. And I've heard multiple stories of showrunners in particular who this happens to, who they start off being everyday people, everyday writers, and then because they're told they're great so often, they become tyrants. And sure, I feel like that's that's a problem with the original product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like all people become that way when they get a five-minute standing ovation, but it's just, it's, it's, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I don't, although I don't think that pertains to Tom Cruise, by the way. It doesn't seem um, to. Uh, I will say that you do meet other showrunners, writers, actors who who get big heads or they start acting a certain way and i agree that it's part of the original product like i don't think you become a tyrant i think it's been living inside of you and what the entertainment industry does is it like presses that button yeah that allows you to be the person you're always meant to be i think that's right that's what i think so all the yeah anyway we can move on from it okay i should have you know this next thing i just wanted to talk about was i should have uh, brought this up a little earlier when we were talking about animation for a more organic transition. I have to bring up the Ninja Turtle trailer that came out yes, the other week. Yes, please! Mainly because, and then we've talked about this before, but I just can't get over the... I can get over it, actually. That's wrong. That's a little extreme. <laughs> uh, the effect that fucking Spider-Verse has had on, on animation. And so the Puss in Boots movie had kind of Spider-Verse-y animation. Oh, interesting. The Bad Guys, which was a good animated movie. It's a heist animated movie, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, also has Spider-Verse animation, where oh. it's just kind of different. And now Ninja Turtles looks like it has not the same animation, but it's in the family of... Super in the family. Whatever that is called. I don't know what it is. So one, I think that's awesome because like Spider-Verse... like change things and it did something and the movie is amazing mm -hmm. but the animation was different even mitchell's versus machines kind of had uh, elements of that so i don't know I, I i it's a cool lesson in just creativity that when you do something different sometimes it works yeah. and also i think i'm excited for the ninja turtle movie it's a fantastic trailer it's so funny it's yeah. so and the cast is incredible they released the cast list the main cast like a day before they released the trailer. So got everyone really excited about everyone who's in it. And then Jackie Chan is Splinter. I mean, come on. Mm. I'm always excited. For, I love it. I grew up with the Ninja Turtles, so I love that's the Ninja so, Turtles. Yeah, I'm super stoked. Yeah, so that's that. Just had to bring it up. Well, speaking of trailers, another This Week in Writing was the Sisu trailer that I sent you, which is essentially John Wick set in World War II. Yes. But it's only this week in writing to say that go watch the Sisu trailer, S-I-S-U. It is literally the story of John Wick, but, but in a different time period. It's period John Wick, which is all to say that sometimes our stories can be super simple, 
as John Wick is simple. This yeah. movie seems very simple in terms of its plot line. It doesn't have to be overly clever or anything and still be really good. This movie looks like it's really good. Awesome. Um, and it's not, there's nothing wrong with uh, taking these tropes and adding something new, adding your spin to it and just using something else as a backbone in some ways. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the prime definition of the same but different. Yes. And John Wick did something really unique. They, you know, he, it was just, it's a revenge story, but he's getting revenge for a dog, which is really his wife, and uh, set it in like a really cool world, which kind of mm-hmm. hadn't, we hadn't really seen, but it's also Keanu and it's so awesome. And yeah. I was actually talking with someone recently about the Kingsman, uh, the first uh, Kingsman movie, and uh, how that was like a new take on a kind of like a spy movie. It was like James Bondian, but younger and cooler. And I don't know. If you can figure that out, you're in a good yeah. spot. It created a, it created a world. And really, the world also is super simple there, mm-hmm. right? They just use the names of Arthurian knights. And they had a a table, like a a round table, essentially, where like the main assassins sat with, uh, oh my gosh, who plays the... Oh, Michael Caine. Michael (laughs) Caine. Michael Michael Caine, thank you. (laughs) We got there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like overseen by the the head, Michael Caine. Like it's kind of it. And then it's a school. And then done. Interesting. Maybe spy movies rely on world building more than we think. Hmm. Maybe these action movies are all about what's going on underneath our noses. I think that's super cool. And I think that's why John Wick feels super cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're going to love this, Tasha. Okay. It is a big, big thing. My friend Kai sent me an article about AI and idea creation. And he and I talked about it and how... So I just have to reference this article and I'm going to put it in the link of this episode. Okay. That that it, it essentially was bring it was the argument for the use of AI in creativity and using it as a tool rather than something that we fear. And and it was basically saying that AI is already better than humans at like creativity. And the reason why is this 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 person, this professor right there, this scientist, he basically had studied um, individuals who um, he was testing creativity. And the test came back that like the most creative people were the ones who offered the most bad ideas. And they weren't afraid to offer really bad ideas. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, here's Tasha, you're like, give me a couple ideas on this new TV show. I'd give you like 20 shitty ideas but through that you can kind of look through it and and come away with it where if you go to ai right now and you're like i need ideas on a new tv show it'll give you like a hundred mediocre ideas Mm -hmm. but through those mediocre ideas you can come away with maybe your own good idea the article essentially is just argument for ai and how can be a companion to creatives and it's scary and i just wanted to let you know I'm not even going to call. I'm going to move you on. You don't look happy about it. <laughs> so uh, why don't we move on to the next This Week in Writing? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. Mm. I don't know if you read about this. He 
took to the WGA Awards to give a speech as he was accepting an award himself that was a little bit inspiring, I think, for writers and a little bit inflammatory, maybe, depending on your opinion. Uh, Now, Charlie Kaufman wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, being John Malkovich. He's fantastic. He won a special award at the Writers Guild. And he said, we are trained to believe that what we do is secondary to what they do. Mm. They being executives. Oh. Yeah. And he, in case you don't know right now, the WGA, it's a very hot topic. They, they may strike. We may strike here soon um, because the Writers Guild feels that writers are not being treated fairly and not being paid fairly for their work. And um, Charlie Kaufman seems to have been commenting on that mm-hmm. and also seems to be commenting on, I don't know, AI. I don't oh. know. I'm going to say he says that the world is beautiful. The world is impossibly complicated. And we have the opportunity to explore that. If we give that up for a carrot, then we might as well be executives. So he just went That's after what? executives. He went after it. I Wait, one more thing, because he's all injured. The last one is great. He said, they've tricked us into thinking we can't do it without them. The truth is they can't do anything of value without us. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. It is weird how, I don't know. I think the entertainment industry kind of preys off of this, uh, off of insecurity, I think, you know, and when you're a writer and this happens, I think a lot with actors, maybe everyone, to be honest, but there's... There's a narrative like, you should be so lucky that yeah. you're meeting me. And whether people say that or not, I think that is somehow how a lot of writers feel. Like, oh my God, I get to meet a producer? Yeah. Should, this is amazing. I get to meet this exec? This is amazing. But it's like, no, man, you should be lucky to meet me. Oh, this yes. actually just made me think of, there was this article, I think, my manager, Jay-Z, actually referenced it a while ago from Chris, Mc- Chris McQuarrie, who is our boy Tom Cruise's kind of like right-hand man at this point. And mm-hmm. he was saying that in this older, old article that um, his viewpoint shifted when he started to go into meetings instead of thinking like, hey, executive, how can you help me? His thought process changed when he said, how can I help you? Like, how can I the writer-director help you who's trying to move their career. I'm trying to move my career. We're kind of working in this together. But it was kind of this this, this flip of just kind of viewing people in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. I think that's I think very that's helpful. I think there's just one more thing that I have. Okay. It's another Twitter thread. Okay. That we Let's had talked it. about, kind of floated around. It's kind of on the fence to talk about. It's from a guy came out i think last week or maybe it just started to pick up traction uh jonathan e stewart Mm -hmm. who starts out saying i have been a consistently employed studio feature screenwriter for over a decade movie movies i've been fortunate to work on have grossed nearly a billion dollars worldwide i have yet to write and sell a spec Mm -hmm. and it's very engaging that's like that's the way you kick something off because you're like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, it's, it's a 17-tweet thread. 
which I don't know if that's the proper way to say that. But So I'm not going to go into all of it, but it essentially starts talking about his viewpoints on trying to sell a spec. The reason I found it a bit interesting is because he was kind of a, against like competitions, it sounds like. He was basically talking, like he finishes it off. The question then is what do you do with a great spec once you have it? The simple answer, which is anything but, in my humble opinion is get it into the hands of people who actually make movies. There's no path for this. For this. No online upload button, no guarantee. I just, I, I love his thread. I think it's really important to read it. We will retweet it uh, when this podcast comes out so you can all read it yourselves. But it's problematic. As he says, he's been working in it in over a decade. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it feels like an outdated way of thinking, in my opinion. And he talk, like you say, he talks about how pay for coverage and screenplay contests are just a business. And it just costs a lot of money. And it's really just for validation for someone to tell you, you did a good job. And if that were true, I totally agree with him. But that's actually not true. Right now, contests and screenplay uh, coverage sites, I have a bit more of a negative opinion about those, but particularly contests, can break a writer in, absolutely. And he says, get your script into the hands of someone who makes movies. How do you do that, Jonathan? How do you do that without something like a con? If you're living in Idaho or you're just an assistant somewhere or you have a day job and a family and you're not working in the industry actively, how do you get your script into the hands of someone who works in this business? You can't unless you do a contest, unless you start working in the industry, but the contest is the shortest path to doing that. So. I vehemently disagree with half of what he is saying in that regard. It feels like a narrow way of thinking. I'm so happy to hear that because I have Jonathan who's about to jump on this podcast. And Let's do it, Jonathan. We should have him on. I would love to hear kind of his path. Like how do you sustain for over a decade without writing a spec? Because in my brain, people should always be writing. Like always yeah. be writing your own thing, always trying to sell it. And a lot of times, yes, you're right. Contest, placement screencraft, blacklist, whatever can can link you up with the right people. Yes. I can't but I think his point is super valid that it's not the only path. And like it should sure. be and as much as we talk about and advocate for these contests, it should be one of the things you're doing. One yes. of the eggs in your basket, not the only egg in your basket. Because it is very difficult to break into this industry. And that's just one of your your tools. So, I mean, I agree with him that way. And again, it does cost a lot of money. So it's not an avenue that's available to everyone, yeah. unfortunately. It is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel this pressure all the time, by the way. Like, I've never sold a spec in my entire life. And I can't recall the last time I wrote a spec. I've been trying, but I can never quite finish it. And and I'm still working. And it's interesting because I feel pressure all the time that I'm going to fail if I don't write a spec. I'm going to fail if I don't write a spec. And that's just like a mantra that's played in my head because you see all these other people who are writing specs like crazy. And like that seems to be the exciting path. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like they're, they're just selling and selling. And it just, that's what it feels like the definitive screenwriting career. But as Jonathan points out in his 17 thread thread, <laughs> post thread, um, that's not the only path. In fact, like that's actually maybe not a common path for, for working screenwriters to be selling specs constantly. It's to be working on other people's IP. Um, Tony Gilroy, 
writing Star Wars, writing on Bourne. These are things that already existed that he came on as like an open writing assignment to do, essentially. What about The Woman? The Woman is an original idea, but that was years ago that I finished that. Yeah, but didn't you sell it? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I sold it. As, that's true. I sold it as a pilot. Okay, I guess that counts. Boom! <laughs> I totally forgotten that. Yeah. Okay. Once. I did it once. I feel like there's something else, too. I feel like you've sold something else. I sold it and it never got made, and it's not going to get made. And I, However, and I'm not arguing. I'm just actually curious. But did that get you meetings? It's it's my best script so far, so it got me yeah. meetings for that reason. Yeah. Do you think it helped you get you jobs? One thousand percent. I would go. not have worked on Witcher Blood yeah. Origin if I hadn't written that script, because it's a dark fantasy mm, action. That's right. Show. So that's what Blood Origin is. And then I would not have gotten to Raider if I hadn't have gotten the Witcher Blood Origin show. <laughs> And I wouldn't have well, gotten well, Mighty well, Nine Tasha. if I hadn't have gotten Tomb Raider. So, so when we follow the breadcrumbs, <laughs> it leads to, <laughs> it leads oh, to shit. Mind is blown. <laughs> I was thinking that when you were talking about this, I was like, wait a minute. I feel like there's an important speck God. in Tasha's life. You know, it didn't. I guess it didn't feel like that because fuck. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I got to unpack this on my own off, <laughs> offline. <laughs> You're right, shit. That's all good. I, what some might say, it led to you meeting Paul. <gasps> Wait, no, what? I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Paul read this spec. I need to find this woman. <laughs> Okay, that's all I have, really. Okay, well, let's quickly move on from there. And <laughs> <laughs> your face was like, "Wait a minute!" You actually I considered just, it. Mine was blown. Um, I guess my last this week in writing is about actor writers because mm. I find them very interesting, and you've worked with them before, so you, you can definitely chime in. Or actor producers, I guess, is mostly what you've worked with. Do do you, do I need to remind you that I am? An actor writer? Oh no, of course not. <laughs> okay, um, but like working actor writers, uh, I have. I've worked with one or two. Yeah, I find it to be really, really interesting. Like they think about story in a different way. They come about it from an approach of character, meaning like if I have to act this scene out, what do I have to act with? Mm. And that's something that they try to teach screenwriters in screenwriting school. <laughs> and uh, the more you sort of work in the industry, the more this becomes sort of a way of thinking about scenes. But in screenwriting school, for instance, they they try to teach you like what is an actor, what is a character, I guess they say, what is a character thinking when they're walking into a room and when they're leaving the room? What is the character feeling in this scene? That's always what they're trying to teach you. And it's really hard to do as a writer for some reason, but because we're separated from the acting process, we think, what do I need this character to be doing here? What plot thing do I need to happen here to get to someplace else? So you're thinking about all these myriad of other things, but what an actor is thinking about is what is my character feeling in this scene? And how am I, how are my feelings progressing within mm -hmm. this scene? So I have found it very interesting <clears throat> to work with actors because they are able to pinpoint that so, so well. And 
I consider myself a character writer. I hope I try to start from character first, but their ability to narrow in on where we're not really hitting character as much as we can, or we're not arcing a character as much as we can is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, cause I feel like a lot of actors can really see the scene, you know, because they're, they're seasoned and they can read a, a script or see a scene and be like, okay, this is what's happening. And they can almost see that there's no emotional progression in the way that it should be. Maybe it's a little more nuanced from a writing perspective, but maybe an actor looks at it and says, well, I think, you know, a few things need to kind of be tweaked. It, yeah. They need to argue here because it's not getting to where it needs to get to. That's it. That's actually a big thing that comes up is where's the conflict? Where's the conflict? Where's the conflict? And I'm yeah. just trying to plug holes, right? I'm just trying to make sure the boat doesn't sink. <laughs> and and then you get the actor writer in there being like, yeah, but there needs to be more conflict in the scene. The character shouldn't just walk from the door to the bathroom. They need to be interrupted or a fight needs to happen or someone needs to flirt with them or something happens. They can't just walk yeah. from one side to the other. And it's just, it's a really great way of thinking about your scene. So like, how is this practical? If you write your script, go back into each individual scene and make sure it's there for a reason. Make sure that their characters are feeling things. Make sure, hey, maybe there should be more conflict here. You yeah. know, where, where can you, can you go in and add that? I think it's, yeah, it's like a really great skill to have. Man, if you can do it, I say take an acting class. If you're a writer, just like any of these classes, acting, yeah. improv, things like that. I mean it. I know it sounds like, you're like, no, I don't want to do that. But no, it's so good for you. It sucks. Cause as writers, you don't understand this, Josh, cause you're also an actor, mm -hmm. but as writers, it's not our safe space. And so it hurts so badly. I know when I went to Boston University, they make you take an act, acting class for writers is what they call it. Yeah. I have never been so terrified and sick to my stomach literally to go to a class than to go to that class. I hated it with such passion because every time I went, I was completely pushed out of my comfort zone, but I absolutely learned stuff from yeah. it. And that's, that's the thing is you have to do the thing that scares you if you want to grow. And yeah, I highly recommend it to any actor. Yeah. It's, it's, or, sorry, it's, writer. I don't know. It just reminds me about the time that I spent ah! on the people verso. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. One day I'm going to find a clip of my, my acting. I'm going to put it's it has got to be out acting. there. Yeah, it's somewhere. There's no media here. There's no media here. Mm-mm. <laughs> that was my line by the way <laughs> tasha and i just don't say that um so i got tasha it's a big this week in writing it's it was it was a lot we built up we just yeah. had to get it out hopefully that's you know helpful to anyone i think this is great we we talked about animation specs and ai taking over and, and uh. relationship with actors and writers and and this is all really important things that um i'm happy we talked about i'm glad I'm going to take it. us out Do it. for the quote of the day. Let's do it. Write. Rewrite. When not writing or rewriting, read. I know of no shortcuts. Larry L. King. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act 2 Writers for more <laughs> awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday or on Instagram, on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I am Joshua Hallman on Instagram. Oh. 
I am Joshua Hallman on Twitter, <laughs> Josh Hallman on Instagram. <laughs> and as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. 